Let's just get down to it. Jacksonville's First Coast Honda dealers proudly present the following. High Flyin' with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Today's show is brought to you by the Casa Marina Hotel and Restaurant in Jacksonville Beach. By Hardball Creative. By Angie Subs. By Aircraft General Supply. By Victor's Payless. By Kuhn Flowers. By Ascent Aviation, the official flight training sponsor of the High Fly-In Show. And now, live from the 1010XL High Fly-In Studios, here's the host of the High Fly-In Show, Jack O'Brien. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the High Fly-In Show. You got me on? Hold on a minute. I got you. We can hear you. You're on there. Hello, Tess. One, two, here we go. Morning, everybody, and welcome to the High Flying Show on this uh, cold, dreary, wet, kind of windy Sunday morning. Um, and it's uh, good to have you here with Garfield Benson, our former naval aviator and commercial airline pilot with uh, Northwest Airlines for over 30 years. Good morning, Gar. Morning, Jack. Good now to have it's... you here. Also, also a commercial pilot. Uh, we call him our one-eyed wonder. I didn't Mr. know that. Bill Stull is here. Good morning to you, Bill. Good morning, Jack. And i got to say, it's better to have one eye than half a brain. <laughs> That's a good one. One eye or half a brain. Are you insulting me? Have I, have I just been insulted? Negative, sir. However, know. however, however, I'm not sure why you would jump to that conclusion. That was called a left-hand compliment. The High Flying Show's been on the air for now 10 years here in Jacksonville at radio station WJXL 1010XL, Jacksonville Sports Radio. Uh, we started across the street uh, 10 years ago at 9090 Hogan Road. and Now we're here in the beautiful confines of the new studios at 9117 Hogan Road. All we had to do was just bop across the street to take our show uh, to uh, new levels of entertainment in the aviation industry. By the way, the High Flying Show has just documented its one millionth listener over the last 10 years. What do you think about that? That's a long way from uh, the two we had substantiated when we first started. We had two substantiated listeners back then. Well, now it's easy to get. You can hear it on both signals, AM and FM, and also on streaming at uh, 1010XL.com, where you can listen live, or you can pick it up later on after the show, either on SoundCloud.com or on 1010XL's On Demand. Lots of ways to get the High Flying Show. And again, good morning, everybody, and thanks for listening to the High Flying Show. It was, it was two months ago today that I had my pacemaker implanted, uh, which is still ticking nicely. And I want you all to know my heart is full of love for Valentine's Day. True to form, also, I, I saw the movie Plane yesterday. Are you familiar with that new, that new movie out? I oh. have seen some ads regarding that movie. Very exciting. Never a dull moment. If you have a, a time in the next few weeks, I highly recommend you see the movie Plane because it's, you know, it's a high-flying You liked it. That's yeah, good. good. Yeah. Right. Also today, Super Bowl 57, Kansas City and Philadelphia. Let's go around the room quickly. Just tell me who wins. I don't want any score. Garfield Benson. Don't have a clue, but I will point out the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Sorry, Jack. I got to digress a little bit on this. The same weather was here when we had our Super Bowl then as it is today. Lousy. What do you mean? Don't you remember Super Bowl here? Of course I do. 2005. It was about 20 degrees. 20 degrees. Raining, cloudy, cold, windy. Same kind of day as today in Super Bowl. How do you know? 
I got a memory, Jack. What I don't about, have a half you know a brain what like you do. Dale, you know what it's going to be in Phoenix today? What's the weather in Phoenix? Oh, hot and dusty. Hot, okay. About well, 75. Who wins, Philadelphia or Kansas City? Uh, Kansas City. All right, Bill Stull. The Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are going to win today. <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea. Kansas City uh, all the way, <laughs> baby. Uh, you're a poor leader, Jack. Our uh, our pro- our producer and uh, engineer in the room, Rob Mosio, has picked the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, 28-27. Fly, Eagles, fly. Eagles, Jack. And uh, John Nafak, who's with Ascent Aviation, screaming out, Philadelphia or Kansas City. He likes the Eagles. He's along with our student pilot of the month, Caden Young. Caden, who do you like today? What'd you say? The Eagles. And Ryan Smith uh, with uh, the new FBO at Craig Fields here with us this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Who do you like? I didn't hear him. What'd he say? The Chiefs. All right, all right, all right. Never mind. It's always going to be fun. The Super Bowl is, by the way, I just bought that brand new 85-inch Samsung Super Surround Sound big woofer TV set. And my wife wants to go to somebody else's place and watch the game. Why? It's Valentine's weekend also. You can start it off with a Valentine's brunch. It starts at 10 this morning at the Casa Marina Hotel and Restaurant. Uh, My bride has also informed me we'll need to purchase a brand new mattress soon. You know, uh, so I'll be heading to Victor's Payless on the west side. Victor's Payless, where you can find all kinds of furniture at discounted prices. V-I-K-T-O-R-S, Victor's Payless. Today, the story of five people injured after an American Airlines plane crashed into a passenger shuttle bus that happened at LAX on Friday night. Do you know about this? Yes, they ate. Uh, let's see, it was a A321 American. They're towing the aircraft. The aircraft is under tow. How could that happen? I mean, it's that's... very easy. They got buses and uh, uh, what kind of trucks that haul all the stuff that goes on airplanes and, and uh, gas trucks and stuff, and they're all along that perennial road, and they got across somewhere, and somebody just screwed up. Uh, airplanes are under tow at major airports all the time. They have to be on ground control. They have to have the APU running for brakes and hydraulics so they can put the brakes on if the tow truck doesn't have enough brakes. And also, they have to be on ground control so they can talk, and you have to have somebody in the cockpit that's going to apply the thing. So it's a very stringent operation to tow a big airplane around an airport. Who gets who gets blamed for this, Gar? Is it- I would have to say that the gosh darn bus driver went out of his lane because the guy in the tug is pulling the, uh, the airplane and uh, he stays on the yellow line, and he knows where he's going, or he wouldn't have that job. So I've got to blame it on the bus driver. But who knows? I may be totally wrong. Well, that happened at LAX on uh, Friday night. Then recently, this we all know the story of the, the top U.S. air superiority fighter, the Stealth F-22, which just got its first air-to-air kill last week. But it was a pretty simple kill for him. He shot out a U, uh, a Chinese balloon out of the sky just off the coast of South Carolina. I saw that aircraft, and the uh, ground guys or someone with some sense of humor uh, painted a balloon on the side of the airplane instead of a, a flag of the country that was shot down. They painted the balloon. Yeah. So saw- he got one. <laughs> on February the 4th, that happened. Officials... Uh, told reporters that a third Chinese surveillance balloon was operating somewhere else in the world. There was another one down in Latin America. Uh, And in addition, just last night, 
or the day before, U.S. military shot down another high-altitude object. That happened uh, on the coast, uh, the boundaries, that is, of Alaska and Canada at roughly 40,000 feet. So I believe that's also going to be found out to be another Chinese type of balloon infiltration. I think, uh, you know, it's just, this thing is deeper, I think, than a lot of us are, are, are thinking about what it's all about. Um, you know, certainly someone has said, well, there are many more high-tech ways to uh, spy on people than putting, you know, gigantic three-bus-size balloons 60,000 feet in the air. They're certainly going to be spotted. And uh, the, the first one, of course, floated all the way across America before it was shot down last uh, week over the, uh, the border near South Carolina. But it's uh, fascinating to me that we're not making this bigger than what I think it might really be. No, you just don't know. I don't know. I don't. I personally don't see the reason for them to be doing this, other than to harass uh, our State Department and our Defense Department, and they're just sounding us out, so to speak. Well, could be. We'll see. I think there's going to be more news on this soon. Bill, do you have any thoughts or observations on this? Or are you going to give us a smart aleck response? Probably a smart aleck response. I would say that uh, it's certainly not the only thing that we have off the coast of uh, South Carolina in the Atlantic Ocean. <clears throat> a firefighting Boeing 737 just crashed in Australia, but the crew walked away. Nobody was hurt. That's amazing. The plane's two pilots escaped that crash with just minor injuries while not flying as high or as fast as an airliner like you usually did when you were flying. It is hard to imagine a 30-ton twin-engine jet hitting the ground and, and people aren't dying. Well, that's surprising. I, have, I know nothing about it, but uh, you can surmise that possibly it was incurred during the time that they were dropping the, the, the uh, called it defoliant or the re- uh, fire, fire yeah. retardation yeah. stuff that they drop out of that thing. Yeah. And also, I've never heard of a 737 being used in a firefighting capability. They have other much better aircraft to do that with. But I'm just surprised that it was there at all. But uh, thank God they walked away. Well, let's see. It was a uh, There were two wildfires, it said, in uh, Fitzgerald River National Park. That's a couple of hundred miles southwest of Perth, Australia. Um. It did pass the area at 700 feet, pretty low for a, a plane that size, but it had an issue during its ascent up to its cruising altitude, which was 29,000 feet. Uh, the fireliner just reached 1,800 feet before it uh, went down. But like I said, both, pac- both uh, pilots survived, so that's uh, pretty lucky for them. It is good. Now, I, I did want to bring up something that uh, we are – certainly very sensitive about, and that is the pilot shortage or so-called pilot shortage. Uh, The United Airlines just graduated their first class of new pilots. Eighty percent of them are women or are people of color. United is the first major airline to have its own flight school. It's It's called Aviate Academy. They opened it in December. The airline says that 80% of the first class are women or people of color because uh, United says it is committed to ensuring that at least half of its aviate pilots are women or people of color. Now, we'll get to that in just a minute, but normally if you're going to be a commercial pilot, you have to have a college degree. 
Is that correct? Is that an that, accurate that statement? That has been one of the prerequisites for years and years. Yes, that's right. true. Now, in order to apply for the United Aviate Academy, you got to be 18 years old. You got to be a U.S. citizen or a legal permanent resident, and you have to have a high school diploma or a GED equivalent. Um, so, where are you with with this particular thing, Gar? I mean, it, it is you think that's uh, healthy for the industry to require that uh, at a bare minimum number have to be women or people of color. I'm kind of the fan of most qualified with the most schooling you can get and someone who is uh, at the cream of the crop, so to speak. The top players, it should be hired on merit and merit alone, period. In the aviation business, merit makes a big difference in in uh, performance, if you have the experience to do the job, and it takes a long time to train somebody to be able to fly in the commercial environment in big airplanes. And uh, I just don't think that they're going to the quality of people to, to do that, and they're going to have ramifications later in, along in uh, the United uh, flying time here where they're going to be on the line and have some accidents or something or have some poor judgment made simply because of inexperience and lack of education. Well, one thing is for sure, the tuition isn't cheap. Uh, reaching 1,500 hours, of which is the required flight time, is estimated to cost, oh, 70 to 100,000 to begin with. Aviate charges 71,000, and when students are completed, they need to find work as a CFI uh, to build enough hours to get hired by a regional airline. Um, let me see here. A couple of other notes I wrote down about this. Um, there, there are some disagreements about is there a pilot shortage. According to the Airline Pilots Association, there's not. There, that's the largest union of pilots in North America. They say that over the past decade, airlines hired only about half of the people who received FAA licenses that let them fly airliners. They argue that airlines are hyping a shortage to water down qualification standards and hire inexperienced flyers at lower pay. Wow. The people that listen to this program and or the people that fly all the time should listen to those words and realize that maybe they're not getting the best product in the cockpit. And uh, I think that that's a real disadvantage to the whole uh, industry to have – unqualified people sitting in the cockpit. This subject has been going on for a few years. What with the pandemic, a lot of guys who were approaching retirement age were kind of pushed out. Uh, There's been talk of extending the retirement age to 67. That's still legislation that has not happened. Although it was pushed from 60 to 65, not that long ago. Uh, A couple years after I retired. And in addition, the, uh, the numbers of pilots who were not only forced out due to retirement, but also offered extended pay compensation for just leaving early due to the pandemic is now coming back on them in spades. Because there's a lot of guys who still would be flying today had they not been either A, paid off or forced out. That's that's true. All right. 16 minutes after 9, this is the High Flying Show on this Sunday morning, Valentine's Day weekend. A quick thanks to our buddy at Angie's Subs. Ed Malin has the most eclectic sub shop in town. You'll find Angie's at the foot of the Intracoastal Bridge on Beach Boulevard near the beach. 
and also thanks to Hardball Creative. Uh, Hardball does do it all. They put your logo on anything you need for your company or business. Call Hardball at hardballcreative.com. I'm Jack O'Brien with Garfield Benson, Bill Stull, and Joel Wiener's not here today. My co-host is in the Bahamas enjoying a wedding. And we'll return to the High Flying Show right after these words. Now let's return to the High Flying Show with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Brought to you by your First Coast Honda dealers. High Flying with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Welcome back to the High Flying Show. On this Sunday, February the 12th, 2023, Jack O'Brien here with Garfield Benson, Bill Stull, John Nafak with ASEN Aviation, and now Ryan Smith, the uh, one of the new big cheeses, the brass at uh, the new FBO. What's the name of your new FB? Get close to that microphone, Ryan. What's the name of that new FBO at uh, Craig Field? What do you call it? So we are the Jack's Executive Jet Center. A little closer. Jack's Executive Jet Center. That's better. Now we can hear you. We're going to speak with Ryan Smith about what they're doing at uh, Craig Field as they have now joined the parade of uh, people who are running FBOs in this immediate geographic area. It's good to have you here this morning. Yeah, happy to be here. We'll be with you in just a moment. I do have a couple of stories here I want to talk to you guys about. And also welcome Bob Cam, our certified uh, flight instructor. Are you now a CFI, Bob, with uh, uh, for instrument and for VFR? I'm only halfway there, Jack. I, the weather yesterday did not allow me to do the flying portion of the check ride, so we just delayed that for got three more weeks, and then we'll see how it goes. Well, good luck on that, Bob. It's good to have you with us on the phone. Bob Cam is a former air traffic controller, spent over 30 years uh, separating uh, traffic in the air, and now he's flying one of those airplanes. And Obviously, you could not be in studio this morning, but it's good to have you here with us. Thank you for calling Thanks, in. Jack. You're welcome. Are we talking about the Austin thing today? Yeah, we, we have what? not gotten to that. We will get to that in a few minutes. Okay. That's one of the reasons I wanted you on this. I did have a right. kind of an interesting little story about these two guys, this drunken duo who wreaked havoc aboard a transatlantic flight after they were not allowed to have more alcohol. Now, Gar said it best a little while ago, and one of the worst things you can tell a drunk is that he can't have any more. Well, that's very true when you're in a tube at 35,000 feet and you've got nowhere to go and you've got nowhere to go. You want, you just don't want to piss them off. That's the thing. And you've got to just kind of mold them into the group and say, hey, listen, now just sit down and take it easy. We're not going to cut you off. We'll let you drink, but we want you to do it to moderation, but we don't want you mad. And you can, re- you can, you can deal with these people on a very calm basis, but if you just flat just cut them off, we're not serving any more liquor. Does that make them mad? And then you got trouble, and you got a bear in that tube at thirty-five thousand feet. All right, now listen to the, these guys. The thirty-six-year-old grown men, grown men, were passengers on a TUI Airways flight from Mexico to England. That's a long flight. That's this happened January the second, about a little over a month ago. Uh, the men who had been served booze, let's see, became mad when they told them they can't have any more. That didn't stop them. They fished out this large bottle of alcohol out of their carry-on luggage and uh, got uh, continued to drink and getting very, very boisterous, very intoxicated. What is that beeping noise? All right. I thought we were about ready to blow up here. Uh, but one of the things they started doing was, was assaulting passengers. And flight attendants, the Federal Aviation Administration was called, obviously, since the captain 
couldn't get them to stop. Now cut that out. Couldn't get them to. Now, boys, you got to just knock it off. But they <laughs> wouldn't. And so now they landed in Bangor, Maine. Now, this flight started in Mexico oh. and was going to, where did I say it was going? England. to? Uh, yeah, England. Um, and so they arrested them off the plane. Uh, it's going to cost them a sizable amount of money and maybe up to 10 years in prison. Oh, yeah, it's going to cost them a bunch of money, and also it costs the airline a bunch of money to divert into Bangor, Maine on a long flight, come down from altitude and land. But you you got to put these jokers off. There's no question about that. But I still think that it's controllable as long as you don't make them angry. And I'm not talking about just placating them. I'm talking about just talk to them on a level of, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a couple of choices. Please sit down. Behave yourselves, and there won't be a problem. We won't have the authority to meet you, and you won't get thrown in jail. But as soon as you get, you throw the card at them, well, I will put this aircraft on the ground and throw you in jail if you don't sit down and be happy. And we'll accommodate a few drinks for you, but we just want you to stay calm. And uh, usually when you tell them they're going to jail, they you get their attention. And it's very easy to do by just having them come over and listen. I wouldn't go back there and talk to them. There's no way I'm going back there. But I'll put them on the intercom and talk to them on the intercom. And have done. I've done that several times. It's worked. They've gone to their seats, shut up. The, the girls slip them a drink once in a while, and they're happy. I'm all for anesthesia, well, sodium thiopental, <laughs> uh, nitrogen. Provide them with nitrogen masks. I think that's a great way to go. You raise the nitrogen level in their blood. They will pass out. There's no panic. And then you can then you can give them anesthetics. Honest to gosh, thirty-seven years of aviation, I never thought of that one, Bill. Yeah, that's now, a great idea. Also, um, <laughs> if you, you know these, you have so automatic defibrillators, right? Automatic uh, mm-hmm. AEDs, automatic external defibrillators. Those are great when you don't know how to handle the patient, right? But in a situation like this, what you need is a manual defibrillator, and you punch him in the chest with three hundred joules. That'll knock them down. Yes. Then you've got the opportunity to give them anesthetics or nitrogen or whatever else that you want to do. Bill, I'm not sure that's a good idea. We'll, we'll have to run that up the proverbial flagpole. Um, Ryan Smith is here this morning. Good morning to Ryan. He's the, as I mentioned, the president of the new FBO operation at Craig Field. Uh, good to have you here. As you were before, be before you started today, I, I learned you were from Canada. I am. Tell us about how you got here to Jacksonville. So at one of your affiliate uh, schools, Jacksonville University, Came down. Uh, I went to school in upstate New York my freshman year. Transferred down uh, sophomore year and and fell in love with the city of Jacksonville and just never left. And so, how did you? When you fell in love with the city, when, what year was that, by the way? Twenty sixteen. All right, so uh, six seven years ago. Yep. All right, so you would consider yourself a now a, a in a entrenched resident of the of the city of Jacksonville. I'd like to think so. Okay, good. Well, you're a really young guy, so I mean, you know, we're. We're excited that you guys are, are going to be doing some things at Craig Field. Why don't you give us a kind of a snapshot of what your intentions are over the next year or two as you guys are taking over out there? Yeah, you know, we're, we've got a really good group of partners. It's, I've got eight other partners, so there's nine of us total. Um, and we're just we're, we're bringing life back to, to Craig Airfield. So we're about to go through a renovation. Probably just after TBC, we'll, we'll break ground on it. Then completely gut mm-hmm. the FBO. Um, redo it, raise the ceiling up, new amenities, everything. Um, and then we're going to redo our bulk hangar as well. Uh, add some additional ramp space over the next couple of years, trying to accommodate the additional traffic that, you know, we're trying to, you know, as Jacksonville grows, we just, we have to grow with it, right? Um, we've already started uh, 
some changes. So we partnered with Lucky Go Coffee Company um, to offer local, locally roasted coffee to our pilots and our patrons and our customers. Uh, we partnered with Blueberry Artisan Bakery, which is part of Southern Grounds. Uh, so we have fresh pastries coming in every week. Um, just trying to create a good experience for for transient pilots, for you know passengers that are coming in waiting on a ride or something, and and just you know we look at ourselves as we're the welcome mat to Jacksonville when you fly in private, whether it be on a jet or GA or King Air, or whatever. Um, and we're just trying to be the best possible ambassador for the city that we all love. So when, when you're doing this kind of thing, obviously you're wanting more traffic at Craig field. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there are, there is some competitiveness going on here with, with other airfields in the area. Would you say that's true or not? <sighs> yes and no. I mean, we're far enough away from like Cecil Hairlong JIA. So we, we have a very specific client that's coming in. It's someone that's trying to go to the beach um, mm-hmm. or trying to go downtown because we are the most central airport in, in Jacksonville to Ponte Vedra, the beach, right? Um, downtown. What I'm seeing here on your list of amenities, uh, for example, I'll just run through a few of them. Brand new crew cars. Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, are one of our first days of operation, actually our first day of operation, we had, a. Uh, you know, the, they previously had some some crew cars through a rental company, okay. and uh, we didn't have that contract set up yet. So I called a friend of mine who's in the auto industry, and uh, I said, hey, I need two corporate leases today. So he got us taken care of. We've got two uh, Buick Encores, brand new 2022 Buick Encores um, that are available. Uh, two, first two hours free, 75 after that, uh, to all of our pilots. Um so how's that work? So a, a pilot's calling in from he's coming in. He says he needs a car. Yep. Is that simple as it is? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't. You don't even have to call ahead. It's first come first serve. You uh-huh. come in. We uh, take a scan of your driver's license. Have you sign a waiver and and off you go. And that's it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Bill, in your travels, do you use crew cars? Yeah, uh, as often as necessary. I try to use. I try to leave them for other people. Like because uh-huh. a lot of times I'm going to a place for a couple of hours. Right. So I try to be uh, considerate and and leave those cars for other people. But there are times when I need them. Just a couple of weeks ago, that's fantastic. It's a great amenity. Well, and now he's down here at the bottom. I'm a big dog guy. You got pet friendly. What is that supposed to mean? We have dogs coming in every day of the week. You do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, when, and what do you mean? You're pet friendly. You just let them lounge around the yeah, they the, can, the, yeah, yeah. wherever wherever they'd like to go in the FBI. Yeah. I'm going to have to come out there because they have complimentary coffee, cookies, drinks, ice, newspapers. I can't even <laughs> get a newspaper at my place. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll come out there to read the paper. Complimentary, Gar. Yeah. You well, like sure. that. You live near there. Well, this FBO, you could do, uh, with your just your reputation, you could build a lot of traffic through there by word of the mouth through the pilots saying, hey, Craig Field's a great place to stop. They got this, they got this, and they got that. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know we've we're updated on all the major aviation websites, so Flight Plan, Four Flight, Air Nav, um, and we're starting to get some reviews. You know, obviously we're new, right? So we're and we we went through a, a rebranding. We changed the phone number. That was the biggest thing. We changed oh, yeah. the phone number, and and you know, so people are calling the old phone number. That's you know not 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 an operation anymore. So it's. <laughs> Um, just Why did to, you change the phone number if ever, it was already there? Yeah, that was part of the deal we had. Um, what do you mean? The, through the sale. So uh-huh. we, they, it, there were two aspects of the business. We bought one aspect uh-huh. of the business. Uh-huh. So they want to keep that phone number. Uh, oh, I get aspect. it. Okay. All right. Now you've done some remodeling already. Tell me what you've already done as far as that goes. Well, so in terms of the remodeling, it's, it's, you know, we're, we, we've done some painting and stuff and just 
trying to dress it up until we actually start the complete renovation. What's the deal with everybody and their brothers looking for a place to store their plane? <laughs> hangers. Tell us the plan on hangers. What kind of improvements are we looking at there, Ryan? Yeah, so, you know, we have we we have some buildable land. It's it's We'll go through uh, approval with the aviation authority to, to see, you know, what our options are for additional hangar space. Because, yeah, I you know, I... I I didn't know there were, as I said, I'm new to aviation. I didn't know there were so many airplanes that were looking. For, I, I don't know where they store them right now. But we have people coming in on a daily basis saying, hey, I, I need a hangar. Um, so we definitely, we, you know, we want to grow to accommodate those, those sure, needs for sure. sure. Well, it's been a problem for a, for a while. And, Bill, you know all about that because you, you, you're in and around airports a lot. Yes, sir. And so you see this occurring as does John Nafak with ASEN Aviation. Every sure time we- I step into an FBO, somebody else steps in there and asks, you know, do they have any hangar space? Yeah, yeah. Are hangars expensive? What's the rate for stashing your plane in a hangar? I don't I don't actually own any hangars. I don't know what we charge for them, but I imagine the rate, you know, varies depending on... Uh, depending on the size. Yeah, depending on the size yeah. and depending on the location. Uh, let's see here. You guys are... Uh, uh, I, I've got a question. Sure, fire away. I am still wondering about how much more viable it would be out there at Craig if you got that runway extension. Yeah, so there's, you know, it's it's been tried a bunch of times before. There's there's no conversation ongoing right now about it. Um, okay, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of, of giving you getting a little more runway out there, but I'm, I'm going to be shouted down big time by some people in the area here where I actually live. But uh, I think that uh, a couple thousand more feet or 1,500 feet would be a great addition to You'd be able to support a lot more airplanes in there. I know there's going to, that's, a, that's a, the gripe. There's going to be more traffic. But it's just a more viable operation. Well, we, that's, that's a subject that's been bandied about for a few years. We had that talk five, six years ago here on the High Flying Show with some of the proponents who were trying to initiate that. Uh, you've got, um, you know, that's probably going to be a subject for years to come here at Craig Field. Maybe they're, you're right, there's some people for and there's some people against and I guess we'll just see what's going to happen there. Now, now, Ryan, you guys provide the FBO services, the hangar, the tie downs, the fuel sales. How? What's the? Is there a value, a, a profit, if you will, in fuel sales at, at FBO operations? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. That's you know we have we have really two different revenue streams. So it's it's hangers and fuel. Okay. Um, okay. So we you know the hangar space covers you know most of our overhead and whatnot and then and then the, the profit on fuel sales and that you know that changes week to week we get different costs every week you know we can do we want to amend our price you don't want to change your price too much you like to keep your price fairly flat um, one because it's just a pain to go to all the different websites and and update it but um, yeah, you know, our margin changes week to week, depending on what our cost is. And, you know, if we think fuel is going to be going up, maybe we'll put an extra order in before, um, you know, at the, at the lower price. Right. Right. What about, uh, maintenance? Do you offer maintenance, uh, for all the aircraft that you uh, have under your FBO? So the FBO, we personally do not have a maintenance certificate. Um, however, we have two tenants that offer maintenance service. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, uh, Skylife support and we have, uh, Eagle aircraft maintenance, Tim over at Eagle aircraft maintenance. And okay. in addition, I'd hate to st- rain on that parade, but one of our big sponsors, aircraft general supply over off St. John's bluff is uh, also there for the local Craig Field uh, pilot. He gets a lot of business from the Craig Field area. Uh, Ronnie Leto and his uh, his staff of, of fine people over there fixing airplanes and providing parts. I didn't realize like they actually did maintenance. I just thought they carried the parts that the maintenance people came over and 
procured and put on the aircraft. He's building stuff all the time. They bring him. Uh, he'll build engines and things of that nature. Oh, I didn't know he was yeah. that in depth. Yeah, okay. he's good. He wears many hats. Um, okay, well, you have a a bunch of people involved in this initiative. Tell yeah. us about who's involved with you. Yeah, so I've got like I've got eight partners. So there's nine of us total. Um, some are more hands on than others, but everyone's strategic. So everyone brings something different to the table. You know, I've got one partner that has owned FBOs in the past, um, has been involved in some uh, military aviation companies. Um, I've got uh, one of my partners owns a Part One Thirty Five charter company, Skylife Elite. So they're right. running uh, King Airs and a Honda Jet and a Lear and a Four Twenty One. Um, so it's just it's nice that you know we have we have people with different backgrounds um so it's it's a good you know when we sit down and we have meetings it's a it's a really good you know way to brainstorm and just have different um different outlooks on yeah it sounds like you got a lot of expertise uh exactly yeah how long has this been under your plan here is this uh this wasn't something you just snapped to it and just happened you this must have been going on for some time so i was brought in later in the process so um they were having the conversations they they had the agreement signed and everything and then i had a friend call me and and said hey we have a spot do you do you want to get in i said sure well are you i like to say i got swindled well you're actually (laughs) you're actually the front man then um, so I'm a, I'm our vice president. I'm there on a daily basis. Um, Steve Bildman is our, our president. And he's, well, I thought he, you were the president. No, I'm vice president. Oh, he's the vice. Yeah, I'm vice. I I, I don't wear that hat <laughs> yet. But well, I, well, I forgive me, Steve, for mentioning you were the president. But vice president is is a very active role because when I was a president of stuff, I always gave all the work to the vice president. <laughs> yeah, and I you know I have a really good FBO manager as well, Blake Wrinkle. Right. Uh, he's been in the in the fuel business, you know, the, the more like the the gas station business right. uh, for a while, and then he was on Skylife Elite for a little bit uh, in, on their operations team, and and now he's the FBO manager, and he's he's our saving grace. I mean, he's he's there a lot, a lot. I. Uh, I'm very thankful for his partnership. Well, it sounds us. like you guys have got a lot of uh, guys that know what they're doing, and, and each of them working together in concert can, can turn into a, a pretty major profitable deal for you. It's a, my, my jet is a full aviation company, newly remodeled, state-of-the-art facilities, 110,000 square feet of, uh, of a hangar and office space, and uh, they're headquartered at Jacksonville Executive at Craig Airport, so... Uh, we are happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Happy thank to, you. And thank you for coming in and sharing with us what's uh, what's going on and at Craig Field. If anyone has any questions regarding this, I see you guys have a an email. You mind if I share this? Yeah. Uh, customer service. Uh, so that's I think that might be the old way. It's uh, info. Oh, okay. Info. Jacksexecutive.com. Info at jacksexecutive.com. Ryan Smith. Good to have you here this morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. This is the High Flying Show. It's 9.38 on Sunday morning. We're going to chat about a little story that's, uh, where did I find this thing? Uh, after the break, um, there was a, uh, oh, good grief. Let me see. Bear with me. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> this too. The Russian officials say their country's planes are safe despite sanctions on its airlines, but... A Russian passenger plane just caught fire last week in Thailand. We're going to learn about that and and a lot more here on the High Flying Show after these words. Now back to the High Flying Skies with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener, presented by your First Coast Honda dealers. 
Welcome said, back. forward cabin. If your child screams again, please see me about a parachute. We will return to high flying with Jack O'Brien right up. Hello, hello. Hello to my engineer. How you doing, Rob? Rob Mosio is our engineer. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Good to have you here. Your levels probably your little little work on le- like when I fly the airplane, sometimes Joel goes, you know, need to work a little bit on that straight and level part, you know. <laughs> As the birds sing eight miles high in the background, thanks for being here this morning. We appreciate you listening. It's 943. This is the High Flying Show. Now in its 10th year, and it is Super Bowl Sunday. It is also Valentine's Day weekend, and it is also, what else is happening this weekend? Other great things, I'm sure, but Gar, let's talk about the flyover today at the Super Bowl. Tell us what's going on with that today. Well, it's going to be a very interesting day. Everybody likes the flyover at Super Bowl. After the singing of the national anthem, everybody's uh, hopefully in a patriotic state. And then they see these four aircraft come over as normally called the flyover. Well, today it's monumental because the pilots, the four pilots, are all females. They're all naval aviators, and there will be two F-A-18F Super Hornets, one F-35C, which is the new fighter plane, and two, uh, excuse me, one uh, F-18 Growler, which is an electric electronic aircraft that's on the A-18 frame. So it's going to be four females. There'll be some NFOs that are uh, females also in the back seat of a couple of these aircraft because they're multi-crewed. Uh, and then all the ground people that are that are servicing the aircraft on the ground at Luke Air Force Base are females also. So it's a total female evolution. Wow. And uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there proud to know that uh, the military's staffed by some very capable young ladies, and uh, they're going to put on a nice show today, and I hope their show comes off it's just absolutely fantastic. And when you see the flyover go by, you think, there's four nice-looking girls up there that are pushing the throttle and now, pulling what, that how stick. How would you know what they look like? Well, I've seen pictures of oh, all of them. All right. Well, our student pilot of the month, uh, Caden Young, is with us. She'll be speaking with her just in scant seconds, but Caden wants to be a, a uh, fighter pilot. Well, Katie's got the looks for it. I'll guarantee you that. Now, see, again, another inappropriate comment by <laughs> a, a man that should be, well, I'm just teasing you. Hey, I want to talk to Bob Cam real quick. This The 767 that overflew a departing 737, Bob, in a runway incident in Austin last week. Um, we think, uh, from, from the layman's point of view, most of us know the story. The FedEx jet was coming in. The Southwest jet was taking off, and for some reason, they almost collided. Share with us your thoughts on that incident. Controller error and judgment. So basically, when a guy is coming in on the land, and he's in this particular situation, the weather was really low, and so like yesterday, if everybody well, it was worse than yesterday. If everybody looked out the window, and goes that was really cloudy. But worse than that, you can't really see down the runway. The uh, FedEx jet was on an auto land program where the plane's going to actually land it by and the pilot's just monitor. And the controller put uh, the Southwest 737 on the runway and cleared it for takeoff. Now, when we sit there and do that situation uh, in layman's, we call it a squeeze play. Uh, we're going to squeeze a guy out in front of somebody who's coming into land. There's mileages that you kind of use as a backstop 
from the runway before you do something like that. In this particular situation, like it was clear, you know, clear and sunny and nothing out there. An aircraft three miles from the runway, no big deal. You can get them out, no big deal. But when you have this situation where the tower cannot see the guy coming in the land and he cannot see the guy out there by the runway, the only thing you have left is reports. Hey, let me know when you're on a takeoff roll. And these kind of things. Well, the controller did it, put him in the runway, clear for takeoff, told the Southwest pilot that there was somebody out there three miles from the runway. Now, in these conditions, I never put somebody out in the runway with three miles to go. It was usually five to give me a little bit of buffer. Things slow down. So when people go up to New York and they go, why is my plane delayed? You're now seeing a perfect application of that because everything slows down. They're not as efficient simply because the weather is not dictating a squeeze play, if you want to call it that. Okay, well, Bob, now I, Bob that. I heard that the aircraft that was taking the runway did used an abnormal amount of time to get in position before he rolled. If he'd have gone it out there, if he'd have rolled out there and continued his takeoff and been ready to go, there would not have been a problem. You, you could argue that point, Gar, but who's the ultimate responsibility for the safety of the runway? Well, yeah, you oh. own it, brother. Yeah, I own it. As a controller, I own it. So if I put the guy out there and I go, hey, clear for takeoff, let me know when you're on takeoff roll, and I don't get that report from the pilot, I've got to do something with that FedEx guy. I should not, the FedEx pilot should never have said, hey, Southwest, abort your takeoff, or Southwest, do something else, and take over the frequency. That should never have happened. And that's why this controller's judgment has to be questioned. Sadly, I'm going to tell you right now, everybody, the controller is not going to get any discipline for this. Well, I wouldn't think so. Why not? No, that's not the way this game is played. And back in the day, back when Gar and I had gray hair, he, you know, when you would do something like that, there would be all sorts of recurrent stuff from the controller side of it. You would be pulled off. You'd go to classes and refreshers, and there'd be all sorts of stuff. In today's world, that just doesn't happen. Well, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Of, you the, the well, uh, you know, the the obviously there were <clears throat> excuse me, there were problems there, but the folks in that Southwest plane, they're in Cancun now or wherever they were going. They probably had no idea how close they came to not no getting idea. there at all. Not getting there. Nope. All right, Bob, thanks for that update. Let's get to John Nafak, the Director of Flight Operations at Ascent Aviation. Ascent Aviation is our official flight school sponsor of the High Flying Show. John Nafak, good morning to you. Good morning, Jack. Good to be back. Great to have you here after your month of skiing and and philandering. You're finally back here at the High Flying Show. It was, and it's good to be back home flying again, I tell you. I missed it. Nobody got hurt or injured skiing. You came out of that smelling like a rose? I liked it to go on the uh, the moderately uh, steep slopes and stayed away from those uh, more difficult slopes. That was a good decision, and I managed to avoid any injury. Well, I love the pictures you sent. I've never skied, but I always admire those who are able to get out there and do that. And you brought your your student pilot of the month which in this case is is almost not a student pilot anymore her name ladies and gentlemen is Caden Young Caden is is out of Chicago she's 24 years old and she will be celebrating her birthday next week coincidentally on Valentine's Day but also it's a big day for Caden on on Tuesday tell us about it Caden yep Tuesday morning 8 a.m I'll be taking my private pilot check ride so that is a you obviously are get, probably getting a little nervous about this, oh, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Now the the check ride includes a roughly a two to three hour oral exam. 
You think you're prepared for that? Yes, that one. Yep, I'll be studying all weekend. I've been working with my instructor, Spencer, and we're in a good position. That was the hardest part, I thought, of the check ride, was spending that two to three hours one-on-one with a with flight examiner who doesn't uh, care who you are or what you are. They will give you the third degree and then some, and you feel you're ready for that. Yes, yep, that is the most nerve-wracking part, I think, and then having to go up there and perform and uh, what kind flying. of plane are we flying? A 172? 172 Cessna. Yep. What's the weather look like for Tuesday? It's sunny. Okay. It's sunny. It's so you've good. looked ahead at the weather. Probably yes. going to be a little cool, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 72. Well, cool's, cool's good. Uh, it's certainly not going to be hot. So you've been flying for roughly a year. You started in May. Yes. Tell us about that. How'd you get going? Why did you do this? Um. So my dad was in the Navy, and I grew up going to air shows and everything, and it always piqued my interest, and I always wanted to fly. And I did a discovery flight a couple years ago, and it was actually at Ascent. And so then I started looking into training and just got into it in May. And yeah. Tell us about your solo. When did that happen? Oh, solo, it was soon. It was, I think, after about 16 hours. So it was over the summer. That's a very low amount of hours normally for a solo. So yeah, that's that what I was told, yeah. Hats off to you on that. And that went smoothly, yes? Yes, yep. Okay. I had my friends and family out there, and it was it was a fun time. Right. When you did a solo, was it a uh, uh, a few laps around the, the pattern, or did you do anything else? Yep. No, I was doing touch and goes. I actually did one extra, and I didn't mean to. But, <laughs> you know, it was three touch and goes, and I, I touched three times. And went well, well, having mathematical ability is not a prerequisite to be a pilot, you know. <laughs> yeah. we, but they do like you to know how to count. Now, yes. John, it was yeah. my understanding on, on a, a uh, solo that touch and goes were were secondary. You had to do a full stops, taxi backs. Is that not the rule anymore? Generally, that's <laughs> what we look to, but based on the proficiency of the student and the and the situation at the airport at the time, I don't know what the window of opportunity was weather wise for you to get this done. But I've, I've authorized students to do touch okay. and goes if there was issues with that. I would have know. loved to have done touch and goes, but my <laughs> my instructor said, no, I want you stopping, and I want you going back and starting over again. Yeah, generally, we're doing stop and goes and full stops, yeah. taxi banks. So what is your plan here? Once you pass this private pilot test on Tuesday, what's next? Instrument um, rating? Yep. Yeah, I plan on getting my instrument, instrument rating before graduating next spring with my mechanical engineering and bachelor's and then looking into going into the Air Force. Where are you going to school? UNF. Okay. So the instrument rating would be next. Yes. And then following that, what? What happens after that? Tell me what you, you're looking to do after you get that instrument ticket. Uh, hopefully Air Force training. Okay. Yep. All right. So you're not going to do any CFI work or anything along that line? No, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. And, John, you've flown with, with uh, Caden, yes? Caden's uh, an uh, excellent pilot. She really is? enjoyed flying with Caden. She has very good sense in the air and... Uh, I'd, I'd send my family up with her right, right now. See, John, if she, if she was rated yet. He'll yeah. only go up with people he trusts, so you should, you should like that. Yes, it was an honor. Definitely Even though he's, John. he's a CFI and, and ahead of all the CFIs and, and everything else out at ASEN Aviation. But, but wow, what a fast turnaround from May to February 14, like nine months, ten months, uh, getting your private pilot ticket. I'm really excited for you. Will you come back to the High Flying Show and tell us how it went? Oh, absolutely. Will you do that for yeah, us? Yeah, I'd love to. All right, Caden. This, this is all while Caden has a job and going to school the same, too, I must add. So she's had a full plate. Wow. You know. Yes. Well, you know, you get most of the you get most stuff done from people who are out there doing stuff. And so I have a high uh, admiration for doing that, staying busy 
and learning how to fly and then passing tests. And then now the, in- the tough part comes, the instrument rating part is uh, much more difficult than the uh, private pilot ticket. At least that's what I've been told. I don't have an instrument rating. I'm, I'm certainly not instrument rating material. That's what they tell me. That's what Bill Stulls told me many times. You, you've done all you can do, Jack. And to just be happy with that. But uh, actually, the instrument rating is, takes a lot of skill. And certainly, people who do that are intending to fly a lot. And that's the idea, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yep, so I want to get all my flight hours up before going off to the Air Force just to help me out. Have you, have you spoken to an Air Force recruiter yet? Um, no, I have not. But I do plan on doing that in the next couple of months. Are you got any questions for our student pilot of the month? I do. And that is... Be persistent, have bulldog tenacity, and if you really want it, you'll get it. But don't give up because the opportunity is there. If you got all the tickies to get the or fill all the qualifications, you'll, be, you'll get there. All right, let's take a quick break. It's 9.55. This is the High Flying Show. We'll return right uh, after these words. Uh, we'll be right back. High Flying with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. WJXLAF. Back to the High Flying Show. That'll do it for another exciting episode. I'd like to thank Garfield Benson, our naval aviator, John Nafak, the head of flight operations at ASEN Aviation. ASEN's got two schools, one at Herlong Field, Jacksonville's west side, and in Fernandina. Thank you, John, for being here this morning. Good to be here, Jack. Thank you for having us. Thank you for bringing your student pilot of the month, Caden Young. Good luck to you, Caden, you on your much. upcoming check ride on Valentine's Day, and happy birthday to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks to Bob Cam and Bill Stull. Joel Wiener's on on assignment in the Bahamas having a cocktail on the High Flying Show. I'm Jack O'Brien. It's been great being here this morning. We look forward to to seeing you again in March. Following today's Super Bowl, uh, good luck to whoever you're cheering for, and we'll see you in March for the High Flying Show. Adios, Listening to the First Coast Honda Dealers High Flying Show with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Special thanks to Garfield Benson, Bob Camp, Bill Stahl, and John Nafak. Be listening each month for the High Flying Show here on Jacksonville Sports Radio 1010XL.